Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Last week, we looked at John 3.16, that most famous verse in the Bible, and we learned that God loves everyone, but only offers salvation to those who accept His love, which He demonstrated through the sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, His Son. Now today in our text, John 3.17, through through verse 21, we're going to talk about why some people don't come to Jesus after hearing about it. In fact, I think it's the underlying reason those who hear the gospel but don't accept the free offer of salvation, I think this is why these folks don't get saved, why they don't accept. So the title of the sermon today is Afraid of the Light. So let's get into it. John three seventeen. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now Jesus is talking to Nicodemus still, and he just said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then he goes right into this and says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Father, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for giving me uh, the opportunity to teach your word. Thank you for those that are listening. Bless each one now in Jesus' name. Amen. First things first. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's not trying to hurt you. That's what Jesus is trying to say. After he tells us that everyone is loved by God, so much that God had his Son come and die on their behalf, he says, look, God didn't send me here to condemn the world. He sent me here so that the world might be saved. You see, a lot of folks have this idea, they have this thought process that God is just this big, mean kid in the sky, wanting to crush us under his thumb, burn us like ants with his magnifying glass. Nothing could be farther from the truth. A lot of folks think that God's just this mean God who just wants to control us and keep us from having any fun and keep us from doing what we love and what we... No, 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 no. God made us in His image. We're the only creatures in this entire universe made in the image of God. We are Trinity just like Him. Father, Son, and Spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit. We have a physical body like the Son... We have a spirit like the Holy Spirit, 
And we have a soul, we have a mind, we have a thought process, we have the, the very words coming out of our mouth through our soul. Body, soul, and spirit. We are Trinity. We're made in His image. And because He made us in His image, He gave us that thing that He has, the most precious thing. Freedom to choose. Freedom to choose. He made us. He placed us in the garden. He gave us the freedom to choose loving Him or reject Him. And He made that offer in the form of this tree. And He said, you can have anything you want in the garden. Just don't touch this tree. It's a test. It's just a test. Will you listen to me? Do you trust me? Do you love me? Do you think that since I made you, I know what's best for you? Now, you have the freedom to choose not to. You have the freedom to say, no, I want to go my own way. You have the freedom. Absolute. Adam, Eve, you have the freedom to choose to disobey God. Because God loves you so much, he gave you that freedom. Because if he forced us to love him, folks, that wouldn't be love. A lot of people say, no, I, I just can't believe in a God who would make creatures. How can a perfect God make imperfect creatures? He didn't make imperfect creatures. He made us perfect. He made us absolutely perfect in the garden. We chose to disobey him, and that brought in sin, and sin brings forth decay and death. He knew. He knew because he's God. Because he invented time so that we could understand this universe, God knew already when he created us that we would reject him, yet he made us anyway. He made us anyway, because he is love. And he wanted some people to express his love towards, people made in his own image. So he made us. And before the creation of the universe, he had a plan in place to redeem us back to himself. Ephesians 1.4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Before the foundation of the world, God said, there are people who are going to choose me. And those people that choose me are going to be holy and without blame before me. He knew. Before the foundation of the world, he knew. 1 Peter 1.20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He's speaking of Jesus there. The work and, and ministry of Jesus Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God knew that we would fall, so he made a way before we ever fall. Now again, don't get mad because there's only one way to God. Be glad there is a way. A lot of folks don't come to Jesus because they've got it in their hearts, they've got it in their minds that I should be able to come to God on my own terms. Well, I'd like to remind you of this fact. Number one, there's two things you need to remember. Number one, there is a God. Number two, you ain't him. <laughs> you don't have his mind. You don't have his perfect will, his perfect way. You don't know how he's thinking. You don't know what he's trying to do. Don't be mad that he didn't give you many, many different ways to get to him. Be glad there is a way. That way is Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. That's it. Hebrews 9, uh, 10, 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Having therefore, brethren, boldness 
by the new and living way, the blood of Jesus. He consecrated it for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. He made a way. He made a way for us. He made a way for us. Be thankful that there is a way. Verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he is not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Okay? So there are people who are not condemned, and people that are condemned. Who are the people that are not condemned? Those that believe. Who are the believers that are not condemned, that are condemned? Those that don't believe. He that believeth not is condemned. Now think about this, though. Jesus doesn't say that he that believeth not is condemned because he's not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. He says, he that believeth not is condemned already. 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 He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Hey, God's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to condemn you because you're already condemned. We're all born condemned because of the Adamic nature. That's it. We're all born condemned because sin has infected the entire human race. Romans 3.10 As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seek after God. They're all going out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that does good, no, not one. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, then death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Jesus is saying that the man or woman who believes is not condemned. That's salvation. Salvation is the removal of the curse. It's the guarantee that the sinner no longer is responsible for paying his or her sin debt. John 5.24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. But the person who refuses to believe, he's condemned already. He's condemned already by birth. And because of his unbelief, he seals that condemnation. His or her unbelief seals the condemnation and makes reconciliation with God and the removal of the curse impossible. It's impossible for a man to be saved if he doesn't believe. So unbelief seals your, seals your fate. It seals your fate. If you refuse to believe, if you refuse to, to accept the, the gift of God, you've sealed your fate. Folks say, well, I couldn't believe in a God who'd send somebody to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. He's never sent a single person to hell. Men send themselves to hell by refusing him. That's it. By refusing him, we send ourselves to hell. That's how it works. He's offered us salvation. He's offered us the opportunity to have our sins forgiven, to come into a, a right standing with him. We refuse that offer... We seal our fate through our unbelief. Salvation is a gift, folks. But for a gift to be effective, it has to be received. If you ever search through 
your basement or your attic or closet and found a gift that you meant to give to someone. Maybe it's even wrapped and you just you forgot that you bought it or maybe you bought it early in the year for Christmas and then you forgot that you bought it and left it there and two, three years later you find it. That gift didn't do the person you bought it for any good, did it? Because they never received it. There's two people involved in the giving and receiving of a gift. You can't sit there and say, well, God died for the sins of the whole world, therefore I'm forgiven. No, you have to receive it. You have to receive it. Men don't, though. Why? Verse 19. This is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. See, sin nature, it's proven by the way we act. The sin nature is proven. We seal our deal because light came into the world and we didn't go after the light. We went after the darkness because we have evil deeds and we don't want anybody to see. This is the root of John's statement all the way back in chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 5, And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. John 1, 9 through 11, That was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. This is the condemnation, Jesus says. Lights come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think bars and nightclubs are dark? Because men love the darkness. Because darkness hides, they think, the evil they want to engage in. That's why those places are dark. Heard a football coach from a professional football uh, league uh, make a statement years ago. One of his players got in trouble. And he said this. I just told all my guys what my dad told me all the time when I was young. Nothing good happens after midnight. Nothing good happens after midnight. Get yourself in bed. Be asleep. Nothing good happens after midnight. When do most young men and women get in trouble? At night, in the dark. That's when sin happens. Men love the dark. Women love the dark rather than light. Because their deeds are evil. Verse 20. For everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes towards the light. Because if they do, their deeds would be reproved. They would be forced to admit that what they're doing, what they're engaged in, is wrong. Here's a simple, true statement. No one likes to have their faults revealed. No one. No one likes that. The truly humble person, though, will be honest about his faults. I found one thing to be true over 14 years of pastoring a church. It's that no one is offended by anything more than they're offended by the truth. Lie about me all you want. I'm never offended. Say horrible, horrible things about me. If none of them are true, I'm never offended. Say something about me that hits home. Something that I know is true. Now I'm offended. 
Now I'm offended. Because no one likes to have their faults revealed. And that's probably the biggest drawback for Christianity for those who are still unsaved. Because in order to come to Jesus, sin has to be dealt with. Sin has to be dealt with. We offer grace to the humble, but we offer the law to the proud. Because the proud need to see that their sin is real. And it's an affront to God. And it needs to be dealt with. So folks, do me a favor. Don't you trust that slick preacher with the big million dollar smile and the perfect coiffed hair or the big toupee or whatever making himself look to be something he's not. The guy with the million dollar suits. All those fellas with those monster churches trying to tell you that you know uh, uh, you're so perfect. You're so wonderful. God loves you just the way you are and he made you perfect and you're perfect now. Men who refuse to talk about sin. Men who refuse to say the word hell. Men who never talk about death. Men who never preach the blood of Christ. Stay away from those fellas. Because religion tries to tell us that we are basically good people. And if we do good things, our good things will outweigh the bad stuff that we might have done. Faith in Christ is an admission of the depravity of our souls, the darkness of our hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The proud resist the truth. For everyone that does evil hastes the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deed should be reproved. Verse 21, He that does truth comes to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Here is the eternal struggle of all human beings, pride versus humility. It's the age-old battle of the heart. As we've talked about before, pride was the first sin. Pride was the first sin there in the, in the garden. Eve was deceived, Adam made intentionally, out of pride. Oh, God doesn't know what he's talking about. This is good fruit. God doesn't know better than me. This is this is beautiful fruit. This looks good. I, I bet it tastes good. Let's taste it. Because God doesn't know. God, God's just being mean. God lied to me. Pride was the first sin. But I got news for you. Humility always wins in the end. You might have be you might have a lot of pride in your life, in your heart. You might be very, very proud of yourself and who you are but i got news for you you will either humble yourself or you will be humiliated the question is will you engage in the in the humbleness in the humility or, or, or will you have humility forced upon you you will either humble yourself or you will be humiliated first peter 5 5 through 7 says likewise you younger you young folks Submit yourself unto the elder and to the old folks. May all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Young folks, listen to the old folks. You know how they got old? They didn't make so many mistakes when they were young that they died. They learned. They got past things. They got wiser as they got older. Listen to them. 
And yes, everybody, be subject to one another. In humility, clothe clothe yourself. Because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Because in due time, he will exalt you. And then Peter ends with that. Cast all your care on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. We all need to exercise humility. Like I said, because if we don't, we'll be humiliated at some point. And God has ways of humbling us. And if we don't want to enter into humility ourselves, be sure he'll do it for you. But if we will humble ourselves and accept the fact that God knows better than we do, we will then regularly run to the light because you know that in the light there's forgiveness. In the light there is love. In the light there is ultimately, at the end of our lives, reward. He that does truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. That doesn't mean that coming to the light means you're always being told how bad you are, how bad you are, how bad you are. If you get saved, you're not bad anymore. Are you going to do stupid things? Are you going to make mistakes? Are you going to sin? Yes. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. Come to Jesus. Confess your sins. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just, and he'll forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You're already forgiven so that you can go to heaven. All your sins, past, present, future, are set, are forgiven if you've been saved. But on a regular basis, you walk through this world, you pick up dirt. That's why Jesus washed the feet of Peter. Peter Jesus said to Peter, those that are clean don't need to be cleaned except for their feet. You just pick up stuff and you need to come to God. You need to confess it. But that's not all it is when you come to the light. There's also this thought at the end of verse 21, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. That they are wrought in God. So as we grow in faith, as we grow in our walk with the Lord, coming to the light, coming to his word, learning, we start seeing, yes, We're doing some things right now. We're doing better than we did before. How do you walk in the light? I just mentioned it. A good place to start to walk in the light is the Word of God. Reading the Word of God on a regular basis. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So my question as we end today is, are you walking in the light today? Thank you very much. God bless each and every one of you. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.